Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, celebrating 20 years of bringing the outdoors to Colorado radio, here's Terry Wickstrom. All right, good morning. I just got back in town last night from... uh, Nolens Got to eat some good food. I didn't get to do any red fishing this trip, though. That was kind of a bummer, but I love the food down there. Boy, is it is it fantastic. Kyle and I are working without a net today. Karen was a little under the weather, so I'm sure she's monitoring us from her studio at home. And we will get text, Kyle, if uh, if we screw up. And I'm certain, certain that I probably will, but uh, get feeling better, Karen. We uh, we need you. We need you. We miss you here. You you make this show go. But anyway, uh, we do have a really full show for you today. We're going to talk some ice fishing. You know, I thought you know, over the last couple of weeks that we'd be talking more and more open water fishing because the weather was getting so warm and the ice on the front range was really getting sketchy. Now, we've had some cold weather and we're going to talk a little bit about the front range. I'm still a little skeptical because we have... Uh, it's just, you know, there's going to be places you can fish, and I'm not going to tell you you shouldn't, but we're, I'm just going to, when we do talk about it, be extremely careful. But the mountains have incredible ice fishing going on. We're going to take you to two or three different spots in the mountains today and uh, talk, get you up to speed on what's going on the ice there. And there is some just unbelievable, phenomenal ice fishing going on in the mountains. It is just really taken off. We're going to talk a little shooting, a few shooting tips today, and we're going to talk some getting ready for open water and preparation and tactics that we should be ready to use and have ready to go as soon as this ice does start receding. So we're going to cover a lot of ground and and, uh, and do a lot of things. I'm also going to talk a little bit about uh, the mountain lion attacks we've seen lately. I did a uh, column in the Denver Post a while ago. I brought that column up, and and I po- reposted it on my Facebook page, uh, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook. There's a lot of great information. I partnered with Colorado Parks and Wildlife to put that piece together. There's even an audio portion you can listen to that goes with it. Now, mountain lion attacks are rare, um, but you should read that article with what we've got. We're seeing more mountain lion activity across the state, and I think as people, as we expand um, development and housing and activities into their terrain. Um, there's a lot of mountain lions in Colorado, not an excessive amount, but this is their home range. And typically they avoid us and they're very stealthy. But, you know, more incidents could start to happen. So it's not a bad idea to take a look at that and uh, and keep it in mind. So take a look at that on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook. Let's go right to the phones now. And joining us, she's with Jubilee Events. And we... Excuse me, we have Casey Barris. Good morning, Casey. Good morning, Terry. How are you this morning? I'm doing well. Where are you calling us from? I'm calling from Kremlin, Colorado, where it's about 14 below zero right now. Well, you're making good ice then. <laughs> we are making good ice. <laughs> you know, everywhere I've, checked, everywhere I've checked in the mountains, the ice has been really, really good. And we're getting the snow we need this year. Does that seem to be the case in Kremlin? You know, we definitely have ice on the lakes. Uh, as far as snow goes, I think the snowpack is is uh, 117% over what we're supposed to in the high country. So 
I think we're going to have a good spring. But oh. for right now, we've got good ice for fishing. Yeah, that, exactly. And, and along those lines, you're putting on an event in a couple weeks. Um, I believe the, the date of the event, uh, I have it here somewhere, is February 23rd. That's right. And it's an ice fishing contest, and it's on Williams Fork Reservoir. Is that right? That's right. Jubilee Events partners with Denver Water and Esco Construction out of Evergreen to bring you the fourth annual Warrior Scramble. It's a catch and release ice fishing tournament open to families, and uh, we're excited to to bring it to you for the fourth year. Now, before we even get into the logistics of the tournament and how you enter and all that, the money also goes to a good cause, doesn't it? That's right. A percentage of the proceeds will benefit Project Sanctuary, and that's in Grand County up here. Tell people what Project Sanctuary is. Project Sanctuary is an um, organization for veterans and their families. For uh, when the veterans come home from overseas, it's a chance for the families to gather together in a in a quiet setting, or so that they can recreate in Grand County, and uh, it just helps the families reconnect. It's kind of like almost a retreat so they can get acclimated to being together again, isn't it? Absolutely. And, you know, you, you talk about our servicemen and, and laying their lives on the line. I have just um, service people and first responders get a lot of praise and a lot of attention on this show, and they should um, just because of, you know, the reason we have what we have and the ability to do the things we do and the lifestyles we live are because people are out there laying their life on the lines they have for generations and generations and uh, first responders, too. And, you know, going over, it's a little different going over now, you know, the type of conflicts we have. And sometimes they, they seem to really have some effects on people and coming back and adjusting can be a little difficult. And the family has had to maintain without much contact and, and lifestyles change. And I think this is just a, I didn't hear about this till you started talking about the tournament. I think we talked about it in the past too. And what a great idea. So the, it'll benefit that, but let's talk about the tournament itself. It's on the, it's on the second, uh, 23rd of February. And it's okay. at, it's at Williams Fork. Tell us what, what the times are and how would I participate? Uh, the the Williams Fork Reservoir is in Partial, Colorado, and the tickets are a registration of $35 for adults. Youth 15 and younger are free. Um, if they want to participate for the adult prizes, they can certainly pay the $35. But everyone who is fishing on the ice must have a registration form, regardless of payments or not. And they can register in advance by mail by giving me a call, or they can register on the east boat ramp from 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. on the 23rd. Now tell people how they uh, give that contact information. If you said you have an email? Yeah, they can contact me by my phone at 970-389-0818, or they can contact me at casey at jubileenonprofit.events. And we'll we'll give that out again. I want to get a little deeper into the tournament. Is there any information on a website or a Facebook that maybe they, in case they're driving and couldn't write that down? Sure. They can certainly go to jubileenonprofit.events. 
to oh. find the information on the website. So Jubilee Nonprofit, and that will get them, and they, they'll find the information. Because a lot of people listen in their cars, and we don't want them crashing while they're writing it down. <laughs> um, no. So the tournament, tell us, it said it's a, it's a catch-and-release tournament. Uh, tell us what species are involved and how it's going to work. There is, it is a catch-and-release tournament. We want to protect the fishery there. Uh, the, it is a Northern Pike tournament. We're paying one prize of $1,000 for the longest Northern Pike out of the slot. We also have Rainbow Brown, Kokanee, and Mackinac in Williams Fork, and there will be prizes for those species. But the big prize is for a Northern Pike. That's right. And it's going to be the longest pike, and there are some big pike in Williams Fork. Now, yeah. how long have you been doing this contest? This is the fourth annual so this is the fourth year for the Warrior Scramble. Have you had any real big pike come out? We have. We've had a, a gentleman from Silverthorne catch a 40-inch northern pike two years ago. And he was fishing for Max last year, and he actually won the pike tournament, or the pike prize last year for catching the, the longest pike. So so they it's a catch and release, so they catch it, they measure it, or they have to call somebody over? How does that work? Well, snowmobiles will be allowed on the ice the day of the tournament, and you have to be a registered competitor in the tournament. And so our judges and the competitors are allowed to be on the ice. The snowmobiles or the uh, competitors will have flags, and they'll flag a judge over to measure their fish. The judge will ride over, measure, take a picture, and then call in the stats and, and then release the fish back in the water. Okay, it sounds like fun. And it's the same with the other species too, the rainbows and 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 um and lake trout and things like that. You're gonna do the That's same right. thing. Okay. That's so, right. And the the cap on the max are, is twenty four inches. So the largest uh the the max that get closest to twenty four inches will win the prize for that. Okay. And so once again tell people how they register and tell them where they can find information and give out that data. They can go to jubileenonprofit.events and then, uh, or give me a call at 970-389-0818. I'd also like to mention that <clears throat> there is an armed forces contest within the tournament. A team of four can compete for an overall length of fish for the day. For uh, The prize is a, a trophy and gets their... <clears throat> gets their name on the trophy and, you know, for bragging rights, but at least one veteran must be on the team. Okay. And there's, though I'm sure people should go to that. Give the website where the information is one more time. The, uh, the website is jubileenonprofit.events. And they can register right at the boat ramp the day of the tournament, right? That's right. The east boat ramp from 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. All right. Well, Casey, thank you so much for joining us. Sounds like a fun event and a really great cause. Thank you, Terry. We appreciate the time. You bet. Thank you so much. That's Casey Burns. Sounds like a really good event. I'll tell you what, if you want to stay tuned, uh, in the second hour, uh, Randy Ford's going to come on, and we're going to talk about uh, fishing at Dillon Reservoir. The fishing at Dillon Reservoir has been just phenomenal this winter, and the the Arctic char and the rainbows that are in there now, and the browns are coming back, and it's just such a variety of fish. But when I talked to Randy earlier this week, we had a phone call. We were just talking about some things. He was on Williams Fork Reservoir. So if you're thinking about fishing this contest, I might try to pry 
a few tips about what Randy was doing at Williams Fork. I know he fishes it on a pretty regular basis, and maybe we can get some something there to try to help you. And I think the message, too, you know, we want to get out there right now is the ice fishing in the mountains. We've probably got, well, we've got all of February, March, and probably a good part of April that we're still going to have great ice fishing up in the Colorado mountains with ice, the the bodies of water that allow snowmobiles and ATVs, and some even allow cars, have great ice pack. Um, we're going to talk to Stagecoach Reservoir here soon, and they have some events going on where you can go and even just, uh, you don't even have to have your own equipment. They'll lend it to you so you can go out and do your ice fishing. That's how they just have a great program there. And we're going to just be taking you around the state. I saw the Lake John report that came out uh, this week. They have 20-some inches of ice on those lakes. They're driving vehicles out there, and the fishing has been really phenomenal. So there's just a lot going on. But open water's around the corner, and we'll cover that too. We'll take a time out. When we do, we're going to go and talk to the folks at Stagecoach Reservoir on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Sandy Clef here to tell you about SCL Mortgage Special Circumstance Lending, locally owned and operated. And if you're self-employed or work on commission, this is the place for you. Bankstown statement loans are back. You don't need tax returns to do your loan. In some cases, the bank statement loans can be done with credit scores in the low 600s. MySpecialMortgage.com on the web, 303-790-2222, the phone number, SCL Mortgage, licensed by the Colorado Department of Regulatory Agencies, number 12007161. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. And we're going right back to the phones as promised. We're going to take you out to uh, Stagecoach Reservoir where we're joined by Corey Spakes. Good morning, Corey. Good morning, Terry. How are you today? You know, I'm doing okay. It's a little bit nippy here this morning. I just got back from out of town and I'm, uh, I was 60 when I left, I think, and it was, I think, two at my house this morning. What are you experiencing out there at Stagecoach? Uh, similar conditions. I saw a negative in front of my number this morning, but it was only uh, one or two below. And uh, I think we're sitting right around 20 degrees right now. So not not too bad, but it feels colder than it is. Well, you know what's going to happen now, too? The days are getting longer. The apex of the sun is at a different angle. And these days, even though we're going to have great winter conditions, which you and I are going to talk about here in a second, we're going to get that dry Colorado sunshine on a lot of these days. And boy, by about mid-morning, it, you're taking your jacket off. Even though it's cool, it just feels so good. And it's just so fun to be out. I think people, I know you have an event coming up about um, debunk winter bunk or what uh, a funk, whatever it is. And we're going to talk about that. But I just think overall, people just aren't staying in anymore. They are getting out in the winter, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. And I'm seeing more and more folks out on the park utilizing the trails here um, and getting out ice fishing because, well, midday is definitely a better bite for fishing, too. But, uh, you know, that that warm feeling that you get out there is is nice. And, yeah, I'm stripping down layers and and, and getting out there and having fun. Oh, it really is. Let's tell for people who may be new to the area, tell them where Stagecoach is located and kind of describe the park. So Stagecoach is located just about 16 miles south-southwest of Steamboat Springs, which is a popular tourist destination, Um, phenomenal skiing, especially this time of year. And uh, the park itself in the winter, um, it's a little different than it is in the summer, but we still stay open every day. Um, We are a great ice fishing destination for uh, trout, both brown and rainbows, um, northern pike, and uh, walleye, which can be a little elusive in in the winter. 
But uh, we also have about uh, close to 10 miles of trail that you can cross-country ski or snowshoe or fat bike on. And we host a free loaner gear program that allows you to get access to some of those uh, equipment that you might not have brought with you from out of town or might not own yourself. Let's talk a little bit about some of the different things. First of all, you mentioned a great destination near a tourist area. Um, In the summer, of course, your park and Steamboat Park and a number of parks in that area offer great camping. But what if I want to come out and camp now? Do you keep a few sites open? We do. We do. We actually we keep four electrical sites open all year round. Um, plow those out regularly. Um, they might need to bring a snow shovel to get to the firing. But um, that allows folks to get out and have, you know, an early start to their fishing day or to have an alternative to uh, visit in the area and getting out and uh, exploring the Route County and Steamboat area. And it goes both ways. You know, you can come out and camp. And the campers, the RVs nowadays are made to be year-round use. And you could, like you said, stay there and there's so much to explore go into the hot springs and steamboat springs or if you're coming out to steamboat springs and you're staying a few days make one of those days a day trip to the park and what i thought is fantastic and before we even get to the fishing is the loaner program you guys do and i think there's a number of activities other than fishing don't you even have fat tire bikes you rent we do, we do. We are actually the, um, to my knowledge, the first park to do this. But we have a small fleet. There's six bikes, um, but they are flat, fat tire bikes that were provided to us through uh, the Foundation for Colorado State Parks, and um, we loan those out at no cost for a couple hours to go explore the trails on the park. You can take them along those groomed trails that um, kind of circumvent the park. Or you can actually take them out on the ice, which can be a heck of a lot of fun. And I even have a large fleet of snowshoes that I can loan out to folks if you want to do a little, uh, sl- you know, take a slower pace at exploring the park. Well, and you're in a part of the state that's known to get some pretty extensive snowfall, manageable, but you can almost always count once you get into this time of the year that you're going to have good snow on the trails, right? Absolutely. And uh, this year we're seeing um, a significant base under that trail. I measured it earlier this week, over 30 inches, and the snow keeps coming. So um, the trail's holding up really well. And one of the other nice parts is we maintain that trail and groom it out regularly so it builds a decent pack, and it actually will extend beyond the beginning of spring. So that trail will still be here if you want to get out and do some cross-country skiing or or snowshoeing for a little while uh, after you start seeing it thaw at your house. Now, we talked, uh, you and I have talked earlier, the ice at, and you're going to have some You've got great ice fishing, which we're going to get to in a minute, and you've got an event. How long can we expect to see ice out there on the park? Typically, obviously, we don't know the weather coming up, but... Yeah, my crystal ball isn't perfect, but I do track it historically, and we do see um, ice start to break up sometime between the end of March and the end of April. Usually count on ice being completely off the reservoir by the end of April. Um, And right now the ice is... Uh, I won't ever use the term safe, Terry. I don't either. I agree. Stable, (laughs) Uh, and I'm seeing a minimum of 16 inches out there. Most spots are more than that. Um, I haven't bottomed out any augers yet, though, so that's a good thing too. So there's still good access. Well, and you know, you you made a point. I want to emphasize too about safe ice. Um, I will tell, I, I've got a, I, by the way, I've got a video if people want to go to my YouTube channel, Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom, and look at the video from North Michigan Reservoir, and it shows me using an, a spud bar to check the ice and measure it and taking a few steps, checking it, talking about the colors of ice. But that being said, I, like you, never say there's such a thing as safe ice, but ice fishing can be incredibly safe if you use a little common sense. 
Oh, absolutely, and it can be a, a fun, family-friendly event as well. Uh, ice fishermen tend to be more gregarious. You know, if you pull up that close to somebody in a boat, they kind of give you a dirty look. But you can walk up to an ice fisherman, and not only will they talk to you, but they'll share what they're doing and what's going on. And it really is kind of a a very gregarious group companion type uh, fishing event. Ice fishing is. Let's talk about the ice fishing there. Uh, Stagecoach is managed for both. Um, uh, good-sized trout and for a pike population, and they've done just a great job with that. And you see, you've mentioned you also have walleyes in there. Let's just start with what are you seeing come through the ice right now, and has the fishing been good? You know, the fishing actually has been um, notably, notably good this winter. I've seen... Um, a significant about, uh, amount of rainbows landed through the ice. Um, I actually have a couple of fun, you know, big fish stories about guys landing over 70 fish in, in, a, in a fishing trip, um, and that's between a pair of, of gentlemen out there. Um, I've seen, like I said, uh, really, really healthy rainbows coming through. I've seen a notable increase in the brown population and, and success rate with the brown trout. And, uh, you know, just sharing big fish stories, also saw a 38-inch uh, pike come through the ice not two weeks ago. When you've got the pike, and the pike population is still substantial. A state record came out of there, I believe, was around 40 pounds. Uh, uh, 30 pounds, I'm sorry, around 30 pounds. Yeah, and, yeah and, that's correct. And, um, and there's still some big ones in there, obviously, and there's a number of pike. That's almost a bonus fish. One of the things I, I'm hearing is that the size of the trout, there's still a lot of stalkers, but you're getting a lot of really good-sized trout also. It is rare these days for me not to hear about a 20 to 22-inch rainbow. And um, the uh, the interesting thing I've noticed, which is just it's a little bit of an anomaly for us, is the brown population. I have not seen a brown under 20 inches in the last month. Now, you also uh, have loaner equipment if people want to come out and ice fish. That is true. I have everything uh, you need from um, the auger to the rods. Um, I don't have live bait, but I do have power bait and jigs and spoons and that kind of stuff I loan out. Um, All you need is a valid parks pass and a valid fishing license, which you can also get here when you arrive. All right, let's talk about your event here. Uh, You've got an event coming up next weekend, I believe, next Saturday, and it's called Debunk Winter Funk. Did I get that right? Close, close. It is uh, Debunk the Winter Funk. It's uh, not a title I came up with, but it is fun and I think speaks to the um, little bit of uh, exciting nature of the event. It's a little free form. We roll out all of the toys that we have here on the park and we uh, incorporate our volunteers and support groups in the area. Um, we're going to have our fat bike fleet We're gonna uh, for folks to come out and play with. We'll also have ski bikes and a sledding hill for kids and family to jo- enjoy. We'll have an ice fishing clinic going throughout the event. So if you've never ice fished before, it's a great opportunity to come out. You don't need any gear. You just need a fishing license. And, and warm clothing. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Um, and to that note, Terry, I did see on the weather, it looks like we might be in for some snow this upcoming weekend, but that's not going to stop us. Um, <clears throat> and then, oh, another highlight, a uh, couple highlights for the event this year we're doing an archery clinic which is really fun it's it's kind of rare to get to get outside and shoot some uh, bows and arrows out in the snow and then we'll also be doing an avalanche awareness a uh, few demonstrations of utilizing beacons and some survival tips and we'll have officers on staff who can answer any questions folks have now does that go on through the entire days there was a time frame for it it's going to be from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m., and um, there's a schedule posted on our Facebook page under the event. 
Uh, that'll tell you for some of the events, like we have a guided snowshoe hike, that'll happen at a specific time. But for ice fishing, the fat bikes and the skiing and uh, archery, that'll be pretty much across the entire event. And uh, I don't want to forget that our friends group is coming out and they will have um, snacks and a campfire going and uh, some free stuff for folks to enjoy while they're here as well. And that's all next Saturday. And one of the other things I want to mention before we go, it's not part of your event, but we talked about the, how tremendous the ice fishing has been this year on the lake. You have a pretty good fly fishing opportunity that goes through the throughout the winter in that tailwater. Now, it's a little difficult to get to. you got to want to get there. But, boy, it's, it's a very prolific uh, tailwater below stagecoach. Absolutely. We manage um, a little over a mile of river just below the dam. And it is a year-round phenomenal fishery, and in the winter it can be uh, kind of a secluded gem. Just a couple quick points on that. Um, even though the road to drive there is closed, it is plowed, so access really isn't that hard as long as you're willing to walk about a half hour to get out there. Um, and usually you'll ha- have the area um, you know, mostly to yourself, which is a phenomenal experience up there. And some really good fishing there. I mean, there's some great fishing, both rainbows and browns. And, of course, this time of the year, you and I have talked, it's uh, it's usually a little bit of a um, a, a nymph, a tiny little midges kind of bite. I like to try to throw a streamer, but it's maybe not the best suited for that. But you had an interest, somebody do an interesting presentation out there. Tell us about that. Yeah, uh, not too long ago, I actually had a gentleman uh, come in and report that he had phenomenal success right at the cusp hours. So right um, after, right just before uh, the sun broke into the area, and just before uh, or just after the sun began to set in the area, and he was throwing a top water mouse pattern. It was small, but it was one of the only times I've heard of anybody having real success out there running top water. Um, he produced a good size fish and a significantly higher percentage of browns than rainbows, which was interesting. Corey, we got to run. We're out of time. And we got your cohort from uh, St. Vrain Parks waiting to get on to tell us all about those. But um, if people want more information, they can go to both the website and the Facebook. Absolutely. And those are updated. And they can always call me here at the park. All right. Thank you, Corey. Thanks for your time, Terry. Have a great day. You bet. Corey Spakes from Stagecoach. What a great destination. We've got some destinations right here in the metro or close to the metro area that are pretty darn good, too. And we'll talk to them after this time out on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. As promised, we're going right back to the phones where Sean Dunleavy is joining us from a park that's right in our backyard at St. Vereen State Park. Good morning, Sean. Good morning. You know, I-, I talk to you off and on during the year, and I'm getting to the point where I keep thinking I'm bringing my long rod down there, and there's going to be an incredible ice-out fishing going on there. And then I come home and it gets cold. What's the deal? <laughs> you know, it is kind of funny. Uh, on Tuesday, we had almost entirely open water, and today I've got uh, ice on all the ponds. There are some people ice fishing this morning. I will say it's not necessarily recommended. We never say safe or unsafe, but we recommend four inches. I don't think we've got four inches of ice, but we do have just enough that there are some people on a few of the ponds close to shore. Um, but, yeah, we had open water only three days ago, and now we're we're back in a little bit of ice. And, you know, it's going to go on and off again for a few days. And I'm like you, first of all, I, if there was 
two, three feet of ice in Minnesota, I never tell people it's safe ice. I tell people ice fishing can be safe if you use common sense, you understand what you're doing, and stay aware of your environment. And that's the real key. This time of the year on the Front Range, uh, you know, bigger parks like Chatfield may have maintained some ice, but I don't know how good it is. But they're not going to fluctuate the way a small—you have— Great fishing in a number of ponds, but they're smaller bodies of water, so their temperature fluctuates very quickly. And we're supposed to be back in the 40s again this weekend, and the sun is starting to reach a higher angle. Uh, I wouldn't—we'll probably see on and off again ice, but I wouldn't be um, surprised if you guys will be back to open water fishing very soon. Oh, I think that'll happen, and when we are, it'll probably be really good because we did stock pretty heavy this fall um, with trout, but then— we didn't have as many caught necessarily this year because there was less ice fishing pressure. When I first got to this park four years ago, the first two years I was here, we had days where we'd have 80, 90 people on the ice. This year, most of the days we had people on ice, it still would only be, you know, maybe 25, maybe 30 people at the most. So there will be a lot of fish to be caught in the spring. Well, I think there's a couple reasons. You hit on one. You're, you get heavily stocked because it is close to the metro area, especially in the fall. They heavily stock it, so you've got ice fish there for the ice fishing season. And then they can grow a little bit and have fish ready when the ice goes off. Now, and, and like most bodies water this winter, you, your comment, the, the fish just didn't get the pressure, so they weren't, weren't as many taken out of the lakes. They also didn't get bothered as much, and they're going to be a little more aggressive, I think. And I think as long as you've got open, castable water, you're going to see a lot of trout that are going to be available to catch. And in your particular situation, take some home for the pan, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's a limit of four, of course, on the trout. But, uh, you know, when we have good fishing, people often are catching 30, 40 an hour if they're doing catch and release. And um, sometimes even exceeding that. So it's really a great way for somebody who's uh, new to fishing or just somebody who wants to catch a lot of fish in a short time if that's if they enjoy doing that. You know, we didn't tell people where you're located, and there's probably people new to the area. Why don't you uh, tell them where St. Varane is and describe the park? Absolutely. We're just uh, north of Denver, not too far, kind of halfway between uh, Denver and Fort Collins, give or take, uh, the Longmont exit. So it's uh, Highway 119 and I-25, and we're really right off the highway, but uh, we're a lot more scenic than people would think being right off the highway. We've got a great view of the Front Range, and there's a lot of small trails around the ponds. And the great thing is we've got uh, essentially 10 fishable ponds, and some of those are heavily stocked with trout for the uh, fall and spring, although in the summertime we're not really a trout fishery at all. But uh, come summertime we're a pretty good warm water fishery. Um, the bass fishing can be very good, although I would say at this park, uh, the bass fishing really rewards people who are um, who have studied a little, done a little homework. I've had some people come in and say, oh, you know, I didn't do well at all. But then other people who know what to do, when to do it, which ponds to really hit, um, some of them do very well on the bass, especially the catch and release ponds. So we have some ponds where you can keep bass and some of their catch and release. Um, the other thing that people did amazingly well on last summer was catfish. We had some people come in here and just do great, including some pretty good-sized catfish. One then you've got um, that one larger pond that it, it actually opened sooner than thought because the flood filled it. Um, but you've got um, that one larger lake where you can actually put a boat on. What are the regulations on putting a boat? And what about the other ponds? Can I use a float tube or a canoe? Great question. So 
Uh, Blue Heron, the one you're speaking of, is the only one with a boat ramp, and that's limited to 10 horsepower and less. What we're really looking at is it's wakeless, so it's um, about five miles an hour or less, no white water behind the boat. And um, you can put uh, any boat you want on that one as long as it fits within those regulations. And uh, it's uh, catch and release only on bass. And it does have a limit on the catfish where you can still keep 10 total catfish, but only one of those can be over 20 inches. Um, the rest of the ponds, if you have a canoe, kayak, inflatable, or any kind of small boat that you can hand launch, you can actually pick it up and put it on the water without having to drive down to the to the lakeside, then you're going to be able to do that on any of those ponds. Now, and, uh, yeah, Blue Heron also has walleyes, I believe. Yes, it does. Um, it has done pretty well for people who are well-versed in walleye. It's not had any really super big walleye come out. I don't know of anything over about 24 inches, which is still a good-sized fish. So a big one's maybe 24, but you'll be able to catch some walleye in there if you're a, a an avid walleye person for sure. Well, before we move on, because you've got an event coming up we want to talk about, and we want to talk some more in generalities. We haven't even touched on the camping. You have great camping there. Yeah. But uh, you also have a pretty good population of panfish. Used to be a really great crappie destination. Do you still see a lot of uh, good panfish action in some of the ponds? Yeah, we do. Um, the northernmost pond is the one, it's Pelican Pond, and it's the one pond in the park that every species of fish that's in this park is in that pond. So including pike, um, it's one of two with pike. It's got bass in there, and those bass you can actually keep within limits. It's an outstanding catfish lake, and it can be really good, pretty good for crappie and also a really good bluegill um, lake at times. The other one for crappie has been uh, blue heron, now, at this time, the biggest ones I'm normally hearing about are about 10-inch, but when that first opened to the public, that first year, there were um, a fair number, a pretty good number of 14-inch crappie coming out of there, which I would think for Colorado, that's a very big crappie, and there was some reports of some even a little bigger than that. Um, so some good-sized crappie in there. And the one that's been reliable for crappie um, is Coot Pond. Coot Pond's not the biggest pond in the park, and it's... Uh, it's one that people know on the south end. If people know to fish the south end of the park, a lot of times people come in and they're just really stuck on that north end because the north end's what used to be St. Uh, or, you know, when it was Barber Ponds, it was just the north end. But uh, if you are willing to get down on the south end of the park, Coot Pond is the one that uh, would serve you well. Now, now, in addition to the great, great fishing and you've got trails there and the view of the mountains, you have some incredible camping facilities. Yeah, it's a really nice campground. Um, you know, part of what's nice about it is that you are close to, to other things. If you wanted to get in, you forgot something, you need to get over to a grocery store or Walmart, or you want to go out and get some food. Um, but it is more scenic than people would think. It's also, in my opinion, got more space between sites than almost anything else you're going to find on the front range. You get up to the mountains and you're going to have a lot of room between sites. But mostly on the front range, a lot of campgrounds you're kind of really kind of a little bit crowded in, and we don't feel as crowded, partly because almost every campsite is also right next to water. Now, you've got an event coming up, and it's about fishing. Tell us about that. Absolutely. So it's our, our second annual, and we, of course, ho hope to have more. But on Saturday, March 16th, so I believe that's five weeks from today, um, from 9 a.m. until 2 in the afternoon, we're going to have a fishing event it's our St. Vrain Fishing Experience, and um, 
It's actually a partnership with uh, Colorado Parks and Wildlife and several different parts of the agency, but also this year we've got 14 different partners who are coming in who are non-Parks and Wildlife partners, and we're going to be doing demonstrations, how-to advice. Uh, there's going to be a little bit where there'll be some, some promotion and marketing, but not really a lot of people selling anything direct. It's more about just the how-to and really getting people interested in the hobby. So, And that's on 316, and what are the hours for that? Yeah, it's 316, and it's from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. And I believe you have, you have fishing clinics with that, right? Oh, absolutely. There's going to be fishing clinics, and it's for all levels. So if you're a, an avid fisherman and you're really good, you still might learn something coming in. You'll have some professionals to talk to. And if you're beginning fishing, brand new to it, we're going to have plenty of people talking about that. And it really is going to hit both with the uh, with the bait-type fishing and with fly fishing. So both are worked in really well. You know, and it's a great time because you've got the water there to come out, and a lot of those people that are presenting are going to understand how to fish those lakes right there. You might be able to pick up a few pointers and just go fishing right there after you get the lessons and put them right to practice. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm sure there's information on your Facebook page. Is that right? Yeah, I, I believe our new Newest posters should be posted on Facebook. If I'm mistaken and it hasn't been, it will be within very few days. And, of course, we have more information here at the park, and a lot of our partners have also posted the uh, poster at different places. So, Well, you're going to see me out there pretty soon. As soon as I get enough ice receding that I can cast, because I'm, I'm I actually I'm an avid ice fisherman, but I am ready for open water, and I know that as soon as there's... 100 feet between me and the ice, I'm going to be able to catch those trout because they're going to be coming in there, so I'll be down there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. All right. Thank you, Sean. Yeah, thanks again. You bet. Sean Dunleavy from uh, St. Vrain Street Parks. That's going to be some incredible spring trout fishing. If you just want to go and catch a few fish, you'll be able to do it there. You're listening to Terry Wicks from Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. We're going to be taking a quick break here very soon and coming up to a segment where Matt Ensley is going to join us. We're going to talk more fishing. But before I get that, I had a few things I wanted to talk about. First of all, I want to mention my Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook. If you follow and like the information we give you on this show, you need to follow us on Facebook. And uh, let me give you an idea of just some of the last few postings, the last three or four postings on our Facebook page. Um, The last one, which went up uh, Friday, when it came out, as soon as the fishing report comes out from Parks and Wildlife, uh, Karen gets that up on the Facebook page. And that's got the stocking report, the, the most recent fishing report. We get that out so you can share it and see it right away. We're also working to get that report to come out a couple days earlier. We think it should come out Wednesday or Thursday at the latest, but we're going to post it as soon as it comes out. Uh, The next post after that would be um, one I believe is a mountain lion one I did. And the next few, we did a mountain lion one and a couple others, but I want to talk a little bit in a minute about the mountain lion one, so I'll get back to that. And then the post before that was about our guest, a guest that's coming up later on this hour, Randy Ford, who's going to join us from uh, Dillon Reservoir and the incredible ice fishing that's going on there. I actually wrote a column in the Denver Post about the Dillon Reservoir uh, last winter, and I what I did was I brought back that column 
posted it on my Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook, and then I, uh, I, I put the comment in that Randy would be joining us on this show to update, so you would know you were going to get more current information. We were going to go and talk about that again. So a lot of times when we've got something coming up on the show, we will really um, make an effort to get it out to you so you know, so you can listen, or at the very least, go listen to the podcasts. A lot of times, if there's a topic we think is just really something that needs to get out there, it's really going to be of interest more than usual, Karen will post that a link to that podcast on our Facebook page, too. Also, every time we add another video to our YouTube channel, which has 100 and some YouTube uh, YouTube videos on it now, Karen posts a link to that on our Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. The YouTube channel itself is the best of fishing with Terry Wickstrom, if you're interested in that. But I want to get back to the mountain lion post. I saw the um, increased mountain lion activity that's been going on in the state, and let me give you a few examples. You know, I think everybody's heard about the, uh, the, the jogger who was attacked and was able to actually kill that young mountain lion. Now, he very fortunate. Now, mountain lion attacks are extremely rare. But I, here's my feeling on what happened with him. This was probably a juvenile because they estimate around 80 pounds where a full-grown cat can push 200 pounds. Uh, so it was probably a juvenile. They tend to leave their mother after about a year and probably may have been just learning to hunt. And because it was just learning to hunt, it probably hasn't, wasn't having a lot of success and the other thing that triggers attacks of mountain lions, if you read the, the column in my Facebook page, it'll tell you never run, okay? So it probably was having little success hunting, and all of a sudden this jogger went by running, and it triggered that predatory response, just like a cat when you pull that string across the floor or whatever. And so I think those two combined to a young, inexperienced cat and an instinctive response. At least I hope that was it. So I, I still believe mountain lion attacks are very rare, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't take precautions on mountain lion attacks. And that's what the article's all about. I'm gonna you really have to read the article and listen to the audio file that comes with it to get the full impact of it. And again, that's on our Facebook page. But just a few tips, you know, when you're out there, mountain lions don't view two legged people as prey normally. All right. Although running from a mountain lion can trigger uh, an attack response. Um, you, if you do come to a mountain lion, you should make yourself look big. You should back away. You should uh, not threaten it, but you should not run either. And then we'll tell you if it doesn't seem to want to go away to haze it by throwing things at it and making noise. The one caution you have to make is all of the prey the mountain lions eat, which is mostly deer, are four-legged, and when you bend over to pick up a rock or a stick, you look like a four-legged animal, so you have to be careful of that. Also, be very careful of children who are standing on the ground and, and pets. If you see a mountain lion, pick up the children and hold them. Pick up a pet. Get up so you look bigger, so you don't remind them of some kind of prey. But the best thing would be go read that article. It's on Terry Wisham Outdoors at Facebook, and read that article. And I wouldn't be afraid to go outdoors because of mountain lions. It's so rare, but there are a number of them out there, but they're very, very stealthy, so you just don't see them. Read that article. Just follow a few precautions and... And hopefully we won't have any more incidents of mountain lion attacks here in Colorado. We're going to take a quick time out. Matt Ensley is going to join us. And we're going to talk fishing on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan.